0: Let's pray and jump in. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We glorify you in the beauty of your holiness. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for what you have done for us and what you're continuing to do. We thank you for it being forever settled. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, we're going to just start a series today uh, over the next little bit. I don't know like all of our other wednesday nights will go until the holy spirit says to change up something else um but uh it's going to be called it's settled and we're going to look at some things and look at the scripture and what really stood out to me was uh a couple sundays ago when i was on vacation uh pastor ted made a statement and i want to remind you of it before we jump into today's message he said the reason so many people believe unnatural things about themselves is because of mass media conditioning and we were talking about this uh, before service started some of us were sitting around he went on to say to say in other words they they are being indoctrinated by identification until we develop a righteousness consciousness or we will have to re- let me try this again. We will have to rely on religion to tell us who we are. And so when we begin to look at this, um, we were talking back today and, I, and we said, well, where does this idea come from? Because when we look at certain scriptures, we immediately, you know, I've been, t- I've been calling it lately, our church brain kicks in. Because we've been taught certain things for a thousand years now. And we want to read the scripture and we look at it and say, you can't mean that. So we, but you have to do this. And so we, we want to add our stuff into it, add our beliefs into it, add our idea into it because we've always been taught a certain way. And, uh, just because it's been taught doesn't mean it's right. We have, we struggle, and and I I was talking to Pastor Ted today, we struggle looking at the scriptures like a comfy couch, where we can just sit back and rest into it. And we can, you know, but so we like, well, it can't be that easy. It can't be that, it it just can't be that easy. Nobody, I, 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 I I, uh, was preaching at a, at a youth event one time, and, uh, so I, I preached one night and uh, led this young lady into an awakening of salvation. And she went home and, and was telling her grandma about what happened. And her grandma said, just pat her on the head, said, "Will you go back and tell him it's not that easy. And so the little girl, and I say little girl, she's 14, 15 years old. She left there. She "So well, I don't know if I... if if I did things right or not, I don't know if God will accept me or not or if God has accepted me. Because grandma said it's not that easy. And we've all been told these stories that it's not that easy, that you've got to make sure you do this, this and this and this. And what we've done in the church world is we have taught people more about sin than we have about righteousness. We have become great about teaching on sin, but when are we gonna start teaching on what the cross established in our life? When are we gonna start teaching on the righteousness that has been provided? So you say, well, well, people out there, they're just just sinning, they're just sinning and sinning. sinning." That's like telling a dog not to scratch. Don't bark, why? A dog's gonna be a dog, you know? but but what does that have to do with me? What does a dog barking have to do with a cat? <laughs> but we try to do the same. And so we've become great at pe- teaching people about sin, but the church has done a poor job teaching people about righteousness. And you can go in a church after church after church, and you'll see people who are more aware of sin than they are of their own righteousness. Go to 2 Corinthians, my favorite, told you this scripture, said of scripture changed my life, and I'm going to, when I minister, this is going to be the focus. We're going to read this scripture a lot over the next few weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are... That means they don't exist anymore. Oh, old things are passed away. So what's the old thing? My old nature. (laughs) I'll get there. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself. All things, everybody say, all things, are of God. We said all things real loud. Did you notice how we started backing off? Are of God. Wait a minute, you mean I could say all things are of God? But what about this? And what about that? And what about this? What about that? I didn't say God's responsible for all things. Mankind has done great at messing things up. But all things are of God who has reconciled us. Where? To Himself. He has reconciled us to himself. Where are we at? Uh, through, through, he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling everybody who chose it to himself. Well, that's how we preach it. That's how we believe it. Everybody's reconciled to God as long as they do all the right steps. The world's been reconciled, it'll be reconciled to God as long as we toe the line, we cut our hair right, we quit listening to that old country music, we stop getting tattoos, women learn how to put their hair up in big giant buns in a day. If they even got a hundred bobby pins in it, they don't count. God was in Christ reconciled. When will we see a world reconciled? When will we, it's reconciled now. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Until the church gets a view of a reconciled world, we're always gonna wanna stand up and fight a straw man. We're gonna be attacking, Uh, uh, windmills because we think they're dragons some of you know that story some of you don't it was God now wait a minute wait a minute I didn't say it the word did but you're saying Brent didn't say nothing let's read the word that it was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself He has reconciled the world to himself. It's his world. It's not a devil's world. It's a devil's world. No, it's not. It's not a devil's world. Come on. Verse 19, that idiot, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses, against them. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. Verse keep reading, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In other words, we have a declaration to make that they have been reconciled. We have a declaration to make that reconciliation has already come. I'm going to show you some things today that I hope make you mad. Because if it doesn't, church brain's working. It was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. And it's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now here, I want, I want to say this to you. And I want you to get it. Jesus did not take on sin. What's the word say? He became sin. I don't know why this is a controversial statement, but it has become a controversial statement. He he caused him who knew no sin to be sin, to become sin so that we might, and that word might, we get it all twisted up, we think like, well maybe we will or maybe we won't. That's not what it means. That word actually means, as a settled thing, that we might become the what? A settled thing, righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus became sin for us, crucified, sin on the cross. He personally took our sin and delivered it to hell for its punishment. (laughs) Do you realize what happened? On that cross, he took sin as he became sin. Listen, he started carrying our sins the day he was baptized. What John say? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's talking about right there. That's why he was led into the wilderness. In the old covenant, they would do what was called a scapegoat. And they would sacrifice that thing and, and they would sin one out into the wilderness that carried away the sin he was talking about his baptism behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world he said I'm not going to baptize you I'm not even worthy to take your sandals off no you have gotta baptize me because I have to take away the sin of the world and so he baptized him and at that point because he took a man's baptism he took on sin then on the cross he who knew no sin became sin After death, the word tells us that he was three days and three nights. He he took it to hell because sin had to be eradicated. Are you with me? (laughs) So if Jesus did all this with sin, when are we actually going to believe that Jesus was enough? But there is nothing else, John, I have to do. There's nothing that I have to do to make myself right with God. The cross was it. He became, God was in Christ reconciled. Where was he in Christ? On the cross. Yeah, but his Bible says that he turned his head and God couldn't even look at him. Doesn't say that. We say Jesus, I mean we quote the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you need to understand, he was actually quoting the book of Psalms there. What was it, Psalms 22? Was it, yep. And if you read Psalms 22 with what he started quoting and you get down there, you see that the, the writer in Psalms said, but you have not left me. God could not have left Jesus, or he would have separated himself from himself. Jesus is as much God as God Father, as Holy Spirit. I promise we're going to get into the meat of this. We ain't got there yet. (laughs) So he took sin. When are we going to believe that it was enough? Well, we do believe it's enough. No, we don't, because we tell people, well, you'll be okay, but as long when you come, then you're going to have to quit doing this, and you're going to have to stop that, and you're, you're going to have to cut this and cover those, and <laughs> so you're saying we can live anywhere we want to. I want to challenge you to go back and listen to tonight, and I see you at any time that I say that. We're not focusing on that. See, that, that's church brain working. But sin, but sin, but sin. Church brain, religion brain. Believer brain says, but the cross. But Jesus, that's enough that's enough and because of my relationship with him i find myself not wanting to do the things that i used to do i find myself see all this is not an excuse to sin it's a license to partner with him and realize that i am dead to sin and sin is dead to me he punished it already he took care of it already he was enough We have so ignored the righteousness that God has imputed to us. I told Pastor Ted today, this is such a controversial message and I don't know why. Imputed righteousness. Well, God didn't impute. Really? Why do we have no problem believing imputed sin? by one man centered into the world and all became sin. we believe imputed sin but we can't believe imputed righteousness you serve a weak god my friend that somehow the actions of a man were more powerful than the actions of our savior that the actions of a man cursed the entire world, but the actions of the other man somehow didn't cure the sin of the world. Oh. We have focused on sin, we have focused on trespasses. The word impute, the word impute there is, means this to take inventory, to take into account, to count up, to compute, to calculate. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That is, that he was not taking into account their trespasses. He was not counting up their sins. He was not calculating man's sins against them. He was not holding man. Why can't he hold man's sins against him anymore because they were because he who knew no sin became sin The sin problems already been taken care of There is no Everybody good? Jesus was enough Before Jesus was crucified we were all weighed down by this sin human priests gave it their best shot They gave it their best shot. Kept bringing animals after animals, but those were only a Band-Aid on a head wound. Those animals were never enough. They They couldn't do it. But because of the cross, the game changer of the cross, the game changer of Jesus, who was the lamb slain from even the foundation of the world. And because of such great love, We're not just clean, we're downright holy. Oh, I can't say that about myself. Church brain. Feel guilty. Feel ashamed. Y'all, you're just saying we can live any way we want to. Never said that. Church brain wants to interpret it that way. You are righteous because of what Christ did, not by anything you've done. And so we say that very statement, so you're saying, it drives me nuts, Joe. People say, well, you're saying, no, you're interpreting. But what does the word say? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That is, that not that he was imputing, counting up, holding account, calculating man's sins, trespasses against them. But we still preach that he's holding our sins against them. How bad do I wanna make everybody? How mad do I wanna make everybody? (laughs) Because we hear statements and sermons that talk about sinners in the hand of an angry god we have failed to remember that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself that is that he was not calculating, contemplating, holding man's sins against them. So why in the world? <laughs> oh, thank you. That became the motto of the church. So we started preaching sin all the time. And so what we do, oh, Karen, this is all your fault. We should have never had this conversation before church. Everybody blame Karen. You know why we do this? Because we've been taught the rapture could take place any second now, so you better make sure you got it all straight, make sure it's all covered, make sure it's all done right, because at any moment, you're stuck. And so we've learned to live in fear of God. We've learned to fear the coming of Jesus rather than stand with excitement at the one who took away my sin. Stand in excitement of the one who says, I'm not holding your sins against you, and I've reconciled the world, and I'm coming back. Does that mean everybody's got it? I didn't say that either. (laughs) Just got to accept it. Sad part is not everybody's accepted this truth, but it's still the truth. You know, the truth doesn't change because you decide not to accept it. It's still the truth. I could tell Pastor Ted, your shoes are blue, and he said no. They're brown. And I'm going, no, they're blue. And he's going, no, they're brown. And those shoes are going to still be brown no matter what I choose to accept. And it is still true that Jesus reconciled the world to himself. And he became sin so that we don't have to, whether anybody else wants to believe it or not. It doesn't change the fact. But our church brain wants to kick in. And act like, well, he didn't do it for everybody because you've got to do a little more. Really? Jesus wasn't enough? Romans chapter 6. This got worse than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. I knew I was digging myself a hole, but man, I just jumped in it now. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Verse one, I'm sorry. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may increase? God forbid. So just because I have all this grace, does that mean I should just go out here and keep sinning? He's like, no, don't don't be stupid. Sin will hurt you. It'll destroy you. But it won't change the fact God (laughs) still loves you and it won't change the fact that he still reconciled you. But so what I do, just keep sinning? God forbid. God forbid. But what if I do? It doesn't change who he is. It changes what I'm doing with it. Are you good? How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer. So you know what that tells me? I'm dead to sin. You are dead to sin. You died to it. That means it's not part of your reality anymore. Just like when you cross over from this life to the other, this one is not your reality anymore. Sin is not your reality anymore. You are willingly overstepping into the cross, over the cross, to get to something that you don't even have a right to anymore. (sighs) Do you not know that we who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Whew. We have become a sin conscious, or we have adopted a sin conscious salvation. And so what's it do? It keeps us perpetuating the idea, I'm not good enough. I'm not right enough. I'm not holy enough. So I have to do more to make myself holy. You can do do more than the blood of Jesus. I have to do more to make myself right with God. You can do more than the cross. I have to do more and I have to quit doing this and I have to stop doing that. Listen, I'm not telling you, he's telling you to look at your life and if there are things in your life that he says, hey, you need to quit, then quit. But it's still not gonna make you any more holy. It's still not going to make you any more righteous. He was enough. But I have to. I have to do this, and I have to do that, and I got to make sure I read eighteen hours, and I got to make sure I pray. You know what? You know what that is? What did they call that in the in the, in the uh, Middle Ages? The priests used to do it all the time. They'd take the little whip. You know why? They didn't think they suffered enough. So I've got to suffer more for my salvation. Salvation was never, that suffering was never yours. That was all Christ. That was all Jesus. That was all the cross. There's nothing you can do. You can flog yourself, try to make penance all you want the only penance I need was the cross. And I don't have to keep running back to it and trying to hang him on it so he can make me clean again. I'll show you that in a minute. The gift of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, hear this, Jesus ended the need for constant sin sacrifices. Jesus ended the need for constant sin sacrifices. Well, I got to give this up and give that up. Jesus ended the need for constant sin sacrifices, but we don't really believe it. Hebrews chapter 2. Man, I remember when I found, when I really understood 2 Corinthians, it changed me. It changed me forever because I understand something different now. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. So then as children, I still hear pages, I'll wait. Hebrews two, verse 14. See, if you had a tablet, you could go there real fast. (laughs) Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. So then as children share in flesh and blood, he likewise took part in these. Why? So he could share the same reality that we share. So that through death, He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That word destroy there is a really interesting word. It lends itself to saying unemployed. He unemployed. The devil has no job anymore. He's not the power of leader of death. He's not the leader of sin. Oh, come on. That he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death through all their lives were subject to bondage. And that's what gets us. We're afraid of death because we've misinterpreted a scripture. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And that scripture was talking about Jesus not us I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to that. I won't go to that scripture here in a minute. I'll prove it That was not written about humanity Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not And so we all of our life have lived through fear of death which gives us what? bondage And that's what our religion has done to us. Jesus became flesh and blood so that he could partake in our reality. It was God's design for a human to overcome sin. And the entity of the enemy, the devil, It was essential for Jesus to possess a human body because without a human body, he could not present sin as a sacrifice. Because it was always meant for a human man. So Jesus became the vicarious man. He became humanity. In him was represented all of humanity. And in his humanity, He became it sin and in that humanity, he faced hell and he came out with the keys. See, once it was taken care of, he came out with the keys of death, hell and the grave. So guess what? Hell doesn't belong to the devil either. He who owns the keys owns the house. The grave doesn't belong. How am I afraid of any of this anymore? How are we afraid of death? How are we afraid of, my God, the one who hung on the cross for me holds the keys. And that's why he came, so that he could put away sin and we could walk in freedom, not in bondage of fear of death. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10, you want a mind opener? Read this one verse at a time for about two weeks and ponder on it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse four. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They covered them. That's why every year the priest did it again. And every year they did it again. Therefore, when he, glory of God, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you did not desire. Wait a minute. They did all those sacrifices. They did all that thing. That wasn't God's heart. Jesus himself said it. Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body. Humanity. You have prepared for me. Previously, when he said you did not desire sacrifices and offerings, you have no pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. So wait, if we serve the God that's the same yesterday and today forever, why do we think he gets pleasure in sacrifices for sin now? <laughs> you with me still? which are offered in accordance with the, say it again real loud, Bob. Law. law. Then he said, see, I have come to do your will, O God. And he takes away the first that he may establish the second. (laughs) Verse 10, by this will, we have been, wait a minute, I thought there were certain things I had to do before I was really considered sanctified. By His will, we have been sanctified. By His will, but no, we've got to do this, and we've got to do this, and we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do this, and we've got to do, have all this stuff happen, and all this. By His will, we have been sanctified. See, church brain won't let us grab that. Because we have a works-based salvation. We are sin-conscious salvation. And I'm so conscious of the sin in my life. By his will, by this will, we have been sanctified. How? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. Hey, can say it again, Joe. Once and for all you don't have to happen again at the cross. I was sanctified at Jesus. He took everything I was sanctified. There's nothing nothing. I do can take a He was enough. He is my sanctification He is your sanctification. There's no second thing you have to do Well, how long am I sanctified? once and for all. But, 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 church bring. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, for sins, what's that next word, Joe? Forever, he is sacrificed for for sins forever, comma. Yeah, that means forever he sat down, no. That means that thought ended, ah, that thought ended at that comma. He sacrificed sin one time. Forever. Forever. So how long is sin dealt with? So for me to run out here and keep doing this mess is for me to willingly step over the cross. Deal with something that is not even my reality anymore because I have died to sin. So no man can sin, didn't say that. But for me to do it, I have to come out of my own reality, overstep the cross, overstep the blood, and willingly pick up a dead thing. We don't let our kids pick up dead birds. Why? They're nasty. They're full of disease. Why do we wanna jump back over the blood, jump back over the cross and pick up something that's already dead? It's not even my reality anymore. I've died to sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 18. Now where there is forgiveness of these, forgiveness of what? Sins. There is no longer an offering for sin. So where there was forgiveness, no more offering is needed. For where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. There's nothing else you have to do. There's no other offerings that you have to make. He did it all, once and for all. Sin's eradication occurred in Jesus. But sin still exists. It's just us living in a reality that's not ours. (laughs) Our choice lies in either viewing it as finished on the cross, or we're going to repeatedly start seeking a cleansing after every sin. (sighs) I messed up. Let me go get right with God again. (laughs) <laughs> what if we taught people that they're dead to sin they don't have to sin that sin's not even part of who they are that the reality is Jesus took care of it and he made a way that all you have to do is answer with a yes accept it and let it what does repent mean it's metanoia what does metanoia mean? To change your mind. So, what do we do? Well, no, no, I have to get clean, I have to get clean, I have to get clean, I have to get clean. Are you better than a bull or a goat? Because the scripture we read, that said, bulls and goats and other sacrifices weren't enough to take care of sin. So you're better than that. And somehow what you do is better than what Christ did. Am I in the hole yet? Okay. Jump back to Hebrews ten ten. Did I just hear somebody? Oh, Hebrews ten ten. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once and for all. So when were we sanctified? That's gross. At the cross, you were sanctified at the cross. Verse 14 now. Verse 14, same chapter, just go down a page a little bit. For by one offering, he has forever perfected those who are sanctified. Well, who's sanctified? Everybody, he sanctified them at the cross. And now what has he done? He has perfected those who were sanctified. Forever, Joe. That's right. Now I would just want to, you know what the word perfected means? It means, of course, you're already this is a shocker, Marcy. It means to be made perfect. But it also means to bring to the end goal proposed. The end goal was for you to be sanctified. And when he perfected you, he has brought us into the end goal that he set for himself. Jesus was enough. He settled it. The cross is the last word on all sin. It was come on the cross. Now we know what sanctified means. It means to be made holy. Go to 1 Corinthians, whoo, chapter 6. Did you see my ankle give away on me there? 1 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version for probably the rest of these verses. As such were some of you, 1 Corinthians six eleven, for such... I'll wait, I still hear pages. I'm not in a hurry. You all in a hurry? Good. 1 Corinthians 6.11 And as such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. sanctification now let's not fool ourselves do we grow we learn what's right and we continue to make and live things because you know what I still have things in my life that I jumped over the cross of and they're still over here all of us do so don't look at me like but that doesn't mean I'm not sanctified The cross did it all. And anything I do to think I'm making it better for myself is for me to look at the work of Jesus and say, hey, you didn't do enough. Let me finish the work. Imagine, Pastor Dave, if we'd have been teaching this to people years ago. Imagine, how the revolving door of the church would have stopped if people in for a while and they foul up and they mess up, and a good hearted, holy filled person like Rachel gets with Emily and Bob says, Can you believe they did that? Yeah. They're just scum, they're sin. They, they come in here and try to look all holy, they come in here and try to act all, come in here and try to pray in tongues when I know how they're living. And so what happens? They can't get themselves straight, so they leave. A few years later, they they think, oh, Lord, what if the rapture happens? A big lightning thunderstorm, like shook our houses last week, happened. Oh, he's coming back. And they run back to church. You know why? Because we're based ourselves on a sin-conscious salvation and not on a righteous-conscious salvation. But we've, been, we've done well. And so these three, rather than saying, hey, you know what? I got my own junk to deal with. I've got my own things that I'm jumping over the cross to get to. Yes, absolutely. So to make sure that nobody sees my junk, I'm definitely going to point out his. Come on. It's true. And then, brother and sister, holy a lot. because they can't deal with their issues, start making rules. Had a person tell me one time that in the the, the area that they grew up in, the women had to wear sleeves below the elbows. Y'all like, yeah, I know, I know. You don't know why? Because they said a bent elbow looked like a woman's breast and it would make a man Lust. That sounds like a man that needs to quit stepping over the cross and trying to come back and making rules for everybody else to cover. Too deep! I'm in it now! That's what we've done. We've set up all the rules. And if you don't follow all the rules, then you can't enjoy Jesus. Then you can't enjoy Jesus and we'll stay over here on our righteous side. When the word says that he's made us all righteous, he reconciled the world to himself. He dealt with sin. Now listen, I'm not saying that there's not things that we do. I'm not saying that there's not sin that we partake in. What I am saying is you need to quit. It's that simple, just quit. But I am telling you, you're going to see people that will come in this church and you're going to scratch your head thinking, oh dear God, how can they call themselves a Christian living like they do? Maybe nobody's ever took them by the hand and walked them out of a dead thing that they've been playing with. It's easier to judge them It's easier to judge them than it is to love them. Cause you know, being around, why does being around sin make us uncomfortable? When the word says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. We ain't very Christ-like then. I'm glad he's a friend of sinners. It means he loves me, because I can sin with the best of them. But you know what? I can also go a whole long time and never sin. Whole long time. That's redneck right there. You know what that means? That means I don't have to sin. You saying you never sin? Nope. But I'm saying I can go a long time and not do it. And you know how special I am? I'm not. You're the same way. You know why sin's not my reality anymore? I'm dead to it. And so are you. Imagine if we taught people that sin does not have a hold on them. You were just sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Just jump back five more pages. Karen, are we good? All right, it's your fault. 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Who became, now look what Christ Jesus, he became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. He became sanctification for me. And in him I'm made holy. So that it is written, Now here's the kicker, you ready? Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Ephesians chapter two, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So if I'm gonna boast, what am I gonna boast in? The cross. The cross did it all. Ted, the cross did it all. It made me holy, made me righteous. It sanctified me. <laughs> it did it all. Can we just stay in this? You guys good? All right, because we're, we're drawing close. Hebrews chapter nine. Hebrews chapter nine. Whew. I tell you, you, drink this wine it'll get you drunk. It's a new wine. You know why this can't go in our old vessel? Because when it starts to swell and the gases start to get released, it'll blow the church brain completely up. And that old wineskin begins to bust. We have to be the new... Mm. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24, 25 and 26. For Christ has entered not into the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. I didn't even have to go in front of God. He did it for me nor was it to offer himself repeatedly. He doesn't have to keep offering sacrifice for sin. As a high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood not his own, for then he would have suffered repeatedly since the foundation of the world. So that tells us when God actually counted this done. Foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages and put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So by his sacrifice, what did he do? He put away sin. Wait a minute, wait, no. No. You still sin. That's why I go and I pick up and I jump over the cross. Live in a reality that's not my own because I'm dead to sin. To go over to sin, which is dead. And pick it up. Or like the abominable snowman. You know what I'm talking about, right? I will love it and I will pet it and I will squeeze it. (laughs) Name him George. And that's what we do with sin. It's dead, it's just an old, it's, a, it's an old dead rabbit in a dog's mouth. And that's how we live. And we don't have to, cause sin is dead. And I'm dead to it. But wait, but wait, but why can't we just rest in that? Why is this so hard to rest in? He appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice. Christ's perfect sacrifice overcame sin and it freed us from death and it freed us from sin. You all ready? Everybody still good? I'm not done yet. I'm sorry. He freed you from judgment. John chapter twelve. John chapter twelve. Whew. Look what Jesus says. John chapter are you in John twelve? Go to verse twenty-seven. We're gonna read all the way to thirty-three here. I think. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Now this is Jesus talking. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. For what purpose? Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And the crowd stood there, and they heard it, said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. And Jesus said, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Are you ready? Verse 31. Now is the judgment of the world. That's Jesus said. When is the judgment of the world? The cross. The cross was the death of sin. The cross was the reconciliation of man. The cross was the judgment of the world. He said, now this is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. What? That's not what Flip Wilson said. He always went around saying, the devil made me do it. How can the devil make you do it when he's been defeated, been unemployed? We looked at that earlier. Been destroyed, been cast down. Now is the judgment of the world. Jesus said it then. Now is the judgment of the world. And now is the ruler of this world cast out. Verse 32. And I When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. The crucifixion is the only call to salvation they need. The crucifixion was the judgment of the world, the crucifixion was the end of the enemy. Well, why do we still see? Because we got people still willing to jump over the cross, still willing to jump over the blood. Heck, we do it sometimes. Verse 33. And he said this to show by what kind of death he was gonna die. He did this to say hey watch the couch watch the crucifixion why because at the crucifixion was the judgment of the world at the crucifixion was the end of death at the crucifixion was the death of sin at the crucifixion, you mean I, No. see church brain wants to say you're saying you're saying you're saying that's what the scriptures have said do we still fall into sin yep by willing ignorance, not, no, listen, no. By willing rebellion. By willingness and look, the blood. But I want that dirty thing. Yes. Yes. And, we, and we do it all the time. But does it change the fact that he still reconciled us? No. Does it? So you say I can I didn't say nothing. Except what the word has said. <laughs> When we understand what Jesus actually did for us, we'll be free from bondage. But this requires something of us. This is, the this is the prerequisite of it all, John. This requires us to believe what we hear about it. To accept a reality. To accept it as ours. When we sin, it's our conscience that bothers us. And we try to clean ourselves up and stop sinning. But then when we fail, we feel worse. Then the cycle starts all over again. So there's more sinning. And so then we get caught up in a whole cycle of works. Back to Hebrews 9. It's 7. Give me just a few more minutes. I think this is worth it. Can you imagine if we were taught this? the power of salvation for as a young age. But you got this opportunity, Rachel. Zach's got this opportunity. We sitting in this room have got this opportunity. Sydney sitting back there has got the opportunity to raise up a generation that's not afraid of the enemy because they know he's dead to rise up a generation that's not afraid of sin because they know they're dead to it we've got an opportunity to change a world (laughs) hebrews 9 13 for if the blood of bulls for the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our what? Why? Because the conscience is what's messed up you're believing falsehoods about yourself. Is that not what you said two weeks ago on a Sunday morning in this room? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works. I'm dead to sin, so for me to keep doing it is I am walking in dead works. To serve the living God, sin consciousness kills. Are you all still good? First John chapter three, I'm almost there, I promise. First John chapter three. Pastor Dave, I just got into it and it just kept coming. The words just keep coming, the word just kept coming. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, 19. 1 John 3, 19. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us. Jeremiah said the heart is evil and no man can, I think it was Jeremiah, isn't it? The heart is evil and no man can trust it. Why? It deceives us. It condemns us. What is the heart? It's actually the soul, the mind, the will, the emotion. For when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So what has been taught to us is not what the word says about us. And I'm going to ask you the same thing they asked the Old Testament leader. Whose report will you believe? Whose report are you going to believe about yourself? Last one, I told you we were close. Hebrews chapter 2 and not 8 and 9 and 10. Verse 4. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. And you know what it took for me to get it? I say, yeah, I believe that. Even when I was in the midst of the muck and the mire and the filth and the stink, he made me alive. I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize I had nothing to do with it. Made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have been forgiven. We have been redeemed regardless of what sin has come. You know why? Jesus is enough. The cross is enough. And he is not holding man's sins against him. So, what's he holding against us? Nothing. So, what's stopping us? Flat out refusal to accept a new reality of salvation. So, we spend our dead lives playing with dead things. But we have a job, and that's the ministry, the word of reconciliation. You know what that word of reconciliation is? Come on in. Anytime I think of that, my mind goes, I'm closing right here. My mind goes back to old brother, where art thou? They walk down to the water. People are getting baptized. Little fella goes in and he comes up and says, boys, I've been forgiven. He said, come on in boys, the water's fine. And they said, he said, I'm not even, I've been forgiven of that bank I robbed in Yazoo City. They said, you told us you didn't do that. Well, I lied and I've been forgiven about that too. And that's where God has placed us. In a place where we have been washed in the blood. And our word of reconciliation is come on in. The water's fine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank ooh, gl- mm, glory. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for, that the word is real. That the word doesn't change no matter how much I don't like that word. It doesn't change. Amen. Holy Spirit, sink deep into us even farther than we've allowed you to. And show us these areas that we'll release them to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.